Mad Beef is kept going and growing by generous support from Skater HQ. Bill and the team have been heavily involved in the inline skating community since 1991 and continue to support competitions, skaters, and now a podcast. You can visit Skater HQ at one of their Sydney shops or shop online at skaterhq.com.au. Also, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a monthly contribution. Even just $2 a month would be a huge encouragement. Hi, and welcome to Mad Beef, the Australian Rollerblading Podcast. I'm Mikey Lynch, and today I want to talk about skating at skate rinks. <laughs> I've just... Um, on the way back to my son's kind of practice match at the start of the soccer season, it's a gorgeous autumn day here in Tassie, I just had to drive my younger son home at half time because he was getting bored. So I'm back in the car and I thought I'd get this episode recorded so I can post it later today. Uh, it's about a birthday party I went to on Wednesday. So I had the morning off on Wednesday because I was working afternoon, evening, driving up to Launceston for two or three hours, doing something up there, then driving back, got home after midnight, ate far too much McDonald's on the route. Um, so I had the morning off so I could take it to a birthday party. But the awesome news was, it's not like a birthday party with like party games and uh, having to stand around and, and eat cheesels and chat. Um, or at like some noisy, sweaty play centre. This was at Woody's Skate and Play, Hobart's, um, uh, you know, roller skating rink, rollerblading rink. Um, and so it's pretty cool, pretty good opportunity, right? I get to go go skate and get points for being a dad at the same time. But this is the first time I'd been at a roller rink for I don't know how long. I'd, um, I mean, we went in there just to check out skates and roller skates as options back when um, uh, my kids wanted roller skates or roller blades for Christmas, which is where I got back into skating, which is really, you know, without that... Uh, this podcast would never have happened, um, uh, but didn't skate there then, and so yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever skated at that place um, in this new venue. I remember it, it was also in, um, used to be in the centre of Hobart, and I think I skated there back when I was a teenager, maybe. But um, uh, yeah, and I've been to a birthday party there before, but I don't think I skated when I was at that party. I don't know, um, but yeah. It was interesting being back in that kind of space, and it just just fired off a whole bunch of thoughts that um, I just blah out at you. Um, so first one, I've never wanted to be able to wizard skate and mushroom blade quite so much <laughs> because when you're skating in that kind of rink setup, flat, smooth, plenty of space, you want to show off. Um, and it would be really fun to be able to do all these kind of one-footed 360 spins and clever slalom lacing feet, all that kind of stuff, um, to really be able to enjoy that stuff and show off about that stuff. Like, there are little bits of that I want to do to weave into, like, a street skating or a park skating routine, but a lot of it I'm not too fussed about, whereas in that environment, um, you know, it would be lovely to have more of that. So I mucked around with trying to do the one-footed... 180s and 360s and doing some carving and toe rolls are hard on the slightly more bullet profiled with big wheels compared to a flat profiled aggressive wheel um very fun doing like um magic slides on that kind of surface with that kind of speed all these sorts of things so you know there was lots of fun 
um, fun was had, and I think I still skated pretty well, so fun just being able to go really, really fast, forwards and backwards, round and round and round, like just that is fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely wish I had more mushroom blading up my sleeve for that kind of situation. So that, that was the first thought. Um, uh, a second thought is, there's a unique thing about sport places as places. I, I, I mean, I see this with my son with his futsal shed. You go into the shed with the canteen and the small little equipment um, shop there and uh, the coaches and the staff, the parents and the kids, and people who do lots in that space, that's like a home base for them. It's this place they live, whether it's the, you know, the the gymnasium for the gym kids or the futsal shed for the futsal kids or the athletics. Um, I mean, I was really good at sprinting when I was in high school and so athletics was a place like that for me. Um, you know, the swim space for the swimmers and so on, rowing sheds. You know, these places that are homes, they call them third places in sociology, right? The first place is home, the second place is work. The third place is the place um, where you'd love to wish and wish you could work, you know? It's the place you go to that's not necessarily close to your home, um, and you're not paid to be there, you choose to be there. And um, just, it's interesting, sports as these places, because, uh, yeah, there's a sense of relaxed belonging, the people who work there are involved in the sport that happens there, it all kind of overlaps. Um, but they're not often very nice places to be. They're very functional spaces, sports spaces. And even if they're new and modern, they're still very functional spaces. Spacious, easy to clean, do their job, there are seats to watch. I mean, look, this is true even for the biggest, most spectacular MCG sort of space or, or tennis centre spaces. They're still pretty ordinary spaces. And so that's how much more the ice skating rink, the futsal shed, the roller skating rink, where they're a bit seedy, they're a bit like cinemas, you know, like they're they're, you know, they belong in the world of um, Stranger Things, the TV show, in the world of E.T. and the Goonies. They're these dated 70s, 80s. They're like bowling rinks, you know, the Big Lebowski. They, they belong in this kind of world. Um, they're sweaty. There's this kind of fluoro graffiti stuff on the walls. There's out-of-date arcade games. There's uh, the kind of cheap roller skates and roller blades that they can buy stacks of to have available for hire that just look gross and plastic and um, forgettable. Um, and the canteen, it's just a cheap, nasty canteen and, uh, uh, you know, the broken electronic equipment and the broken chairs and stuff just shoved over the back of barriers. There's a whole vibe to these places, you know? And, um, and yet it's home for the people who live there. You know, it's, it's the people carry themselves. They 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 belong there. You know, um, you know, even the shop. Like you know, there's better places to shop for skates and skate equipment. But there's something about that little shop. You can walk in and see. It's nice. This is the one place in Hobart I can walk in. Maybe the one place in Tasmania. I don't know where you can walk in and see a wall of rollerblades. And interestingly, they moved from having. Uh, roaches skates to K2s and so the front street and the unnatural were up there on the wall you know along with Bauer roller hockey skates and, and this kind of stuff and, and so there's something cool about that walking into a, a skate a roller skate rollerblade little shop thing um, so there's just that vibe you know there's something rocky about it something karate kid about it there's something um, yeah you know so it's an interesting space to be in it made me wonder 
you know, like with cinemas, is there space for doing the skate shop the way the modern hipster cinema does the cinema? Because the, the big village cinemas and Hoyt cinemas still largely feel like they're living in the 80s and the early 90s when uh, to get the full cinema experience and, and computer gaming experience, people would go to these places. And so they're big, they're glitzy, they're loud, they're flashy in this kitsch, kind of bogan, flashy way. Um, whereas the hipster art house cinemas are cafes and bookshops and, 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 and art deco and and, and they're kind of creating a space you'd want to be in. I mean, no one wants to go and meet for coffee at the Hoyt's Cafe or the Village Cinemas Cafe, right? But these new hipster cinemas, they do that. Um, is there a space for skate places to be like that? Maybe there are places like this in Japan or Europe or, or I don't know, or the mainland, where the look, the feel, the style, um, the atmosphere is... It's, it's nice spaces and vibes and food and coffee. and It'd be really interesting. There'd be something that could be done there. It doesn't make economic sense. Well, if you could have the cool cafe restaurant that you would want to go to even when you're not skating, then maybe it would make economic sense. Do you know what I mean? Um, plus, more people would buy stuff and take advantage of that side of stuff. You know, I don't know. You know, that'd be an interesting business proposal, wouldn't it? Um, that's the second thing I thought of. Um, third thing um, is... Uh, I, I, as the person eager to see our sport grow, um, again, maybe on this business level, I just looked at all the little sales things these guys could do to more comprehensively and proactively onboard people into the sport. You know, there was this one kid, right, really young kid, who was firing around the rink, skating forwards and backwards, really good, um, really capable, really stood out. And... Um, on rollerblades and uh, and so in the end I couldn't bear it so I wrote down on a piece of paper and I said to him you, man you skate really well you should check this out to see what's possible on rollerblades and I gave him just a bit of paper that said check out Vine Street rollerblading on YouTube just to try and because maybe he'd never seen or known about or no one had told him about aggressive skating and so I couldn't bear I mean it was weird and awkward but couldn't bear to leave this kid not knowing what's out there it was kind of a weird thing to do but um, but it just made me wonder if you were proactively investing in the industry, rather than just running roller hockey classes and having some sad posters stuck up on the walls, how could you really proactively um, you know, have the shape, shop open and looking open all the time, having videos playing all the time, having posters and images highlighting these things? There's just a lot of these opportunities that were just totally missed. Um, how could you find and identify, even have the staff kind of looking and watching and observing and, and grabbing and chatting with people um, to tell them about these sorts of things? I'm going to pause there and come back on the second half of this episode later. Now, I get the fact that all of this is ridiculously idealistic and that I have no idea how hard it would possibly be to run a skate park, let alone to actually make it financially viable. I mean, I can only imagine, right? Um, uh, insurances, the repair, uh, so it's the skate rink, right? I mean, like, skate park, ugh, even more death, right? But, yeah, insurance, repairs, maintenance, staff, um, all these things, um, you can only imagine how complex it would be. You know, so, so I get this is just kind of dreaming from someone who doesn't have a clue. But, you know, there's a place for dreaming. And maybe it is possible, you know? Maybe it is possible to do better. Um, some of the um, 
uh, experiences I've had of rinks in the past was um, back in Melbourne when I lived there and skated there as a teenager. I remember going and playing roller hockey only a very little bit at this um, skate rink at this fun factory complex in Chapel Street in South Yarra, I guess it would be called. Um, and, uh, and so that was, that was one place, was a roller hockey rink. And, and yeah, I mean, roller hockey, we talked with Chris Puller uh, last time, or just recently, about um, street hockey, which sounds really rad. But yeah, roller hockey is this whole thing that is, people are into, and is keeping inline skating alive in a whole other way. And uh, it's not the focus of this podcast, but it's, you know, this, this thing that's out there, and it's cool that it's out there that people can be a part of. So, so that's cool. And then the other one that I went to much more was the Nunawading Skate Ranch out in the, I don't know what it was, the far eastern suburbs of Melbourne, northeastern suburbs, if I got my geography right. Uh, and that place was interesting because there was the rink and I remember skating around there and, and then playing like <laughs> nut and bush over the sound thing and stuff. I had a birthday party there one year as well, actually. And... Um, uh, yeah, that, that had that kind of, you know, the whole lounge area where you get your skates and your pads on and sit around and then go out into the rink. Um, but then the unique thing was that, was it combined that with a little bit of um, skate park. I think there was a, was there a mini along one side? There definitely was a vert ramp packed against one wall, the far wall. And there were no steps up to it. You had to actually pump up to get up to the top of that little vert ramp. And, you know, it was because it was squashed against a wall. People would do these little spider stalls against the wall itself before jumping back in and this kind of thing. Um, sort of skinny, narrow, compact vert ramp. And then in one corner of the rink, there was a quarter pipe. I can't I think now how high that quarter pipe must have been, but a quarter pipe that then went up and there was like a platform at the top of the quarter pipe and a, like a bar at the back of that platform. And then there were panels removed from the roof so you could actually even air right up into the roof. Um, and every now and then they'd break the regular skating and open up the quarter pipe and so the only people who'd be on there would be the people gaining speed going round and round the rink and then hurtling up this um, quarter pipe and getting airs up, you know, there were, you know, metre marks or foot marks up, painted up against the wall and then uh, then this, this roof that you could go up, ceiling you could go up into as well. Um, yeah, and I have memories of people going up there and doing handstands and handstands back up into the platform and maybe even up onto the... Um, the stalling up on the bar back from the platform was that right am i remembering rightly and then jumping back in and sometimes people would be doing this handstand someone else would do an air and then the original handstander would come back in uh so that's an interesting in between right it'd be cool to see a bit more of of that with rinks where even if they don't have the full skate park set up they do have uh you know a ramp even just like a mini ramp as a part of the complex or some launch boxes or some grind rails it's just part of what they offer it'd be kind of cool um yeah, I think that's... I mean, that, that's, I don't want to talk about the courtesy of skating in a skate rink or any of this kind of stuff. I was more just thinking about the actual experience of it. And it's not something I'd sort of go out of my way to do heaps, but it was still fun, you know, and, uh, and fun to have as a thing and maybe fun to... Having done it, I kind of go, yeah, maybe I do need to drag the kids out there just for a different kind of skating uh, outing rather than just skating around footpaths and stuff, which is normally what I do with them, or skate parks. Um, uh, yeah, haven't, look, haven't touched on roller derby, for quad skating, haven't touched on roller disco, uh, all this other stuff, of course, that, that rinks create, and it's cool to know that there's this larger, you know, kind of cultural place 
that rolling sports have, just the going for the birthday party, going for the date, I suppose, I don't know, all that kind of stuff. It's nice that, it's nice just realising that that's not dead, that that's out there and, um, and, and lives, uh, yeah, um, and could be a hub for a future for inline skating. Um, in the future, you know, so um, so that's kind of kind of cool thought. Anyway, share your stories, advice, reflections, recommendations about skate parks. It's a fun little conversation to have, eh? All right, see you later. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We are also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.